Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote, and this is part four, and probably the concluding episode with Edith and Daniel Busey. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. And if you are just joining us for part four, we really want to encourage you. I mean, listen in, especially if you're listening live on the radio, don't turn us off, but go back and listen to episodes one, two, and three, because every single one of those is just an amazing disclosure of life and candidness and frankness. And so it's been so much fun to do this and there's a lot and there's no way we can even recap all those episodes. So we're jumping in with Daniel and with Edith Busey. Both Um, generational LDS. Yeah, Edith is third generation. Daniel is seventh uh, generation on his dad's side, going all the way back to Nauvoo in the early mid 1800s. And they've had quite a journey uh, in their life. And so we're going to jump into that story with them. Okay, so when we ended last time, Edith was talking about what had led her to start questioning her LDS faith and background. And there were a couple of things that she ran into historically. One of the things was the second anointing and that whole practice, um, a secret ritual that's done in the LDS temple. It's by invitation only. Um, And meanwhile, as she's, so, so the catalyst for her, if I get this, correct me if I'm wrong, Edith, but the catalyst for you was as you went to God, because you, you were committed to your faith in Christ, you were committed to your trust and belief in God, And your sense was you had permission from God to pursue truth because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. So you were going to pursue truth about everything, including your LDS faith. And so as you're looking in and finding truth and confirming it in with sources, even on the LDS.org site, you're also sharing these things with Daniel, but he's kind of like doing the brush off. It's kind of like, oh, okay, fine. And he's a bishop at this time. So, but finally one night, he says, okay, just lay it on me. Yeah, I mean, give me all. And so you do, you're up to like three or four in the morning. And this starts Daniel into his own research. And so that's kind of where I want to jump into this episode is Daniel. First of all, what's going on with you as your LDS wife um, is raising these questions? because you're still committed faithful LDS. I mean, in, in terms of what I know of your story, you really haven't even had any doubts. You served a mission, you guys got married in the temple, you've got children. So what's going on with you as she keeps raising these things and why you're brushing them off? And then what happens as you finally give yourself permission to dive down the rabbit hole and where do you come out on the other end? Well, it was, let's see. When I dove down the rabbit hole, it was about seven months after I'd been released as bishop because we'd moved to, to Tennessee. Okay. Um, and so I'd been released, uh, but I was still a full believer, of course. And I was kind of giving those, um, you know, the, 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 the LDS answers to, to the types of questions she was 
bringing to me. But when she mentioned, but when she started asking me about the second anointing, um, you know, I'd never heard of that. And, um, and when I learned more about it, I, I found it a little disturbing, ironically, because, um, I didn't believe in the biblical doctrine of grace and therefore I didn't believe and part of that was I didn't believe in assurance of salvation so the the idea that someone could be assured of salvation that that in and of itself kind of offended me um so right because it's not only it's not only assurance of just like being saved it's an assurance of yeah. eternal life in the presence of heavenly father it's being assured that you are going to make it to the highest level of yeah. the celestial and kingdom. godhood yeah, and, and Godhood God is part yeah. of the which, second. Which, which, for a full believing Latter-day Saint, that's that's kind of as important to them as salvation is. I mean, that's to them that's salvation, exaltation, and salvation get kind of conflated. So that was in probably late February or early March of last year. So it was it was um, less than a year ago. Okay, yeah. so twenty twenty one. All right. Yeah. And I um. Also, Edith told me about the gospel topics essays, and I started reading the gospel topics essays, and I was deeply disturbed um, that I hadn't known about them, and they'd been out for you know at least five years already. Yeah, some of them, them since been. like 2013, 2014, yeah. I think. Yeah. And, and, the, uh, and these, this is a series of things where it's on churchofjesuschrist.org where the Mormons try to kind of explain away their history or tell their own kind of whitewashed version of it, right? right. So that the idea being that if you hear it from an anti-Mormon source, oh, you're going to be surprised and leave the church. Well, if I hear it from an LDS source, I might be more likely to kind of accept it and not run away from the church. Right. So the church has done a number of these gospel right. essays. And they they specifically pick topics that, um, and I don't, they didn't do the survey, but there was a survey of former Mormons and ex Mormons in terms of what were the troubling ideas. And mm -hmm. so the top the top topics were the Book of Abraham, and the fact that Joseph really didn't get anything right in terms of what he said. These papyri said and mm -hmm. the Book of Mormon, and the fact that it doesn't have any geographic anchoring in the real world, and that, you know, Joseph translated it, putting a seer stone in his hat and looking into his hat, mm -hmm. um, the various, the various um, versions of the first vision. Mm -hmm. um, and polygamy. so all these polygamy, yeah, Joseph's mm -hmm. polygamy. And Racism. so all, all the things that when Mormons originally would ask their bishop about, they would say, well, that's just anti-Mormon rhetoric. Those are just half-truths. Don't trouble yourself about that. Only with the internet, people started doing the research and they started realizing there was actually really good factual evidence. And so they were going back to their bishop and saying, wait a second, this is here. And so people were leaving um, in large quantities. And so the church begins systematically addressing all those hot button topics and trying to mm -hmm. do so in a way that did as much damage control but they had to admit the stuff that was factually true and that's what yeah. i'm guessing you probably found disturbing was how much the church was willing to admit or had to admit was actually true about these topics yeah so that um learning about the the difference not just the different first vision accounts um but the timing you know of when because i always assumed in my mind the narrative that i had seen in uh, you know in uh 
LDS films and stuff, you know, where uh, Joseph is telling about the first vision well before 1830. And that's not, that's a false narrative. So um, that, that really bothered me. And and then, and other, the book of Abraham, of course, um, I had already had some, my, my mental shelf was already heavy about polygamy um, issues from the year before when I read, which is when I read um, saints volumes one and two. Um, And so I already had, I was already a little concerned about some of that, but then as after I read the gospel topics essay and then the kind of the essay within the, the embedded link within the essay, because they don't want people to see stuff right away. um, (laughs) I I kept diving further and further into that. And, um, and everything just kind of fell apart really fast. I, um, I couldn't believe in Joseph Smith anymore as a prophet. Um, and, and I hung on, I, I, I lost my faith in Joseph Smith right away. And then I tried to hold on to the book of Mormon for another like week or two. <laughs> right. It was like, well, so the book as- of Mormon has to be true. So maybe <laughs> God just used a false prophet somehow to bring about the book of Mormon. Like I, I, I was trying really hard to, but I was going to ask you, together. so on, on your mission, did you consider yourself as one, while, while you're on your mission after someone who had a strong testimony of the Book of Mormon? Yes. So I was, um, I loved the Book of Mormon. I, um, in my late teens and early 20s, I, I read the Book of Mormon cover to cover in six languages, uh, mul- okay. multiple times wow. in some of the languages. Uh, <laughs> Okay, that's the first time this podcast you have officially, (laughs) in terms of anybody we've interviewed, read the Book of Mormon in the most number of languages. So that's and and in three alphabets. So and And what three alphabets? alphabets. Yeah. Wow. And I um. Daniel's a lawyer, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) I worked really hard on my mission, um, really, really hard, and and I, I, I always was trying to, you know, do the right and. And it, um, where did you serve be, your mission? Be in good standing with God. I served in the Republic of Armenia, Southwest Asia. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I really, really, my whole life, I wanted to rescue people from, you know, the, the darkness yeah. uh, and, you know, and bring them the re- to the restored gospel, or what I thought was the gospel um, of, G- of Jesus Christ. So for you, it wasn't something you let go of lightly. So what were the no. main contributing factors to finally saying, okay, no, I can no longer accept this as scripture. We already talked about some of it that, you know, lack of evidence, but it was just my, my background as I used to be a litigator. So um, I've had lots of jury trials and, and I've, I've uh, conducted hundreds of depositions. And, and so um, it seemed like I was learning all of the impeachment evidence, you know, that I didn't know about that <laughs> yeah. impeached the credibility, uh, mm-hmm. credibility of the three witnesses. I mean, that um, the credibility of Joseph and Joseph Smith uh, and the credibility of of the narrative that I've been taught my whole life of, of, yeah. the, of the restoration. From there, where was your next step? spiritually speaking because i mean that's that's a big step off of a very tall narrow platform in terms of belief in your whole life and now you just stepped off of that into what um i well i very quickly 
became agnostic. Um, I kept trying to pray for a couple months. I, I stopped praying with the family and with Edith, but I would still say a morning prayer and night prayer kind of out of habit, just in case there is a God, at least he might remember that I was still praying to him. Um, and then Keep the bases covered. Yep. <laughs> and, and I, I started attending a church with a friend of mine. Um, and I thought that was really interesting, but I was, I was kind of investigating. I was going off in lots of different directions, reading lots of different types of books and things online. Um, yeah, give and, us an example of some of those. I want, yeah, some, I want the audience well, to know what kind of things you were delving some, into. Some of the books I didn't even, some of them I didn't even finish until after getting saved, but I still had them on my shelf. I finished them, but, um, but my, I read a whole bunch of books. Um, I have with me, my, my four favorite atheist books are these okay. four. So there's, right. um, the God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, Atheism and the Case Against Christ by uh, Matthew McCormick. This is the first one that I read. Okay. Uh, one of the first books I read after losing my faith. Um, Forged by Bart Ehrman. I read three of Bart Ehrman's books, and this is my favorite one. Okay. And then, uh, and this this one I read a little bit later, but A Manual for Creating Atheists by Peter Bogosian. Uh, this this is a uh, this actually covers a lot of a lot of the same things that I was kind of considering and looking to, into at the time. Sure. But um, but I, uh, so I was kind of investigating atheism. I guess you could say I was like an atheist mm -hmm. investigator. Yeah. Sure. No, absolutely. Um, um. So I want to pause just a moment here, because Edith had a commitment to strong faith in Christ. What's happening with you as you watch Daniel? Because you're the catalyst for him, like moving away from the church. And now you're watching him not just move away from faith in the LDS religious system. You're watching him thoroughly investigate atheism, agnosticism. What's happening there with you? I was really worried. Yeah. Because I knew what. I believe and what I wanted to believe. Um, and just seeing him go from one extreme to the other, I was super worried. Mm -hmm. I did not know how to get him to like, start thinking critically again, because I didn't think he was. Um, but, but, um, but I knew he had to have his own experience and come to his own conclusion, mm -hmm. just like he had allowed me to I know he was scared when I was going through what I was going through I know that when I stopped wearing my garments he was like what are you doing you know yeah. mm -hmm. um so but I knew I knew he needed to go through his own experience and I needed to, to let him do that wow okay and Good as you, you get a little farther down the road you can see these things as God's hand in them right and and you're I think where I am now as a Christian after 15 years, much more patient and much more willing to trust God and yeah. To yeah, do I the think, work. Yeah, I think I'm, I think maybe he'll get to it in a little bit, but um, it, it's definitely changed our perspective on other people, on our own children, on ourselves. Like the patience <laughs> that we have with our children is like, 
where was this five years ago? You know, when we were like, you have to get baptized, you have no choice. Um, uh, yeah. 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 Mm. Well, because performance based religious systems are that because you have got to do the performance steps or you don't measure up. And so as parents, there's huge pressure to make mm. sure your children do all their performing right. Otherwise, they're going to miss out. So yeah, that's real. That's fascinating that you've so, seen patience with your children grow as a result of your changing relationship with God. Mm. Okay, yeah, so I want to go just, back to, okay, go ahead. Just, just real quickly, I, I wanted to say when it comes to the children, because um, a couple of years ago, our oldest son actually came to me and he's like, I don't believe in God. And, and at that time, you know, we were still very much LDS. We were like, where, where, what? Like, no, this <laughs> where is not acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, st he still doesn't, my boy. He still doesn't. But, okay. yeah. but after this experience, we're like, he needs to have his journey and we need to be there for him when he needs us. And, you know, whether, whenever that is and allow yeah. Christ to work in him when it's time. Yeah. And not, and pushing him one direction makes him go the other, uh, you know, you realize, except yeah. that the Mormon shame and guilt is so strong that people will go the way that people are trying to make them go just because of that. Right. Yeah. But you've removed that from your kids, which is wonderful. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So back to Daniel. So you do this really thorough investigation of atheism. I mean, you're basically reading the strongest arguments out there for it. I mean, you're reading Dawkins, you're reading Ehrman, you're reading... Yeah. I read two books by Sam Harris. Hitchens. Uh, and one by Christopher yeah. Hitchens. Mm -hmm. uh, I was noticing some things. So it was like a breath of fresh air hearing um, some of reading some of the things they were saying, because a lot of what they write is... Um, it goes against feelings-based belief systems. Right. And so that was, I was like, yeah, they're finally, here's someone who's logical, you know, and, right. um, and, 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 you know, wanting to rely on evidence instead of, or on, you know, things that can be measured and, you know, instead of on people's feelings or some right. spiritual experience. Totally not so knowing that made it attractive, but the Bible's was, evidential, yeah. reasonable, yeah. logical, yeah. all of that. Okay. We had no ideas, LDS, yeah. did we? Yeah. yeah. So then what, what kept you from just continuing that track? So where, um, so, uh, so I think there were a few things. One thing on Easter last year, I think it was Easter day. I told Edith that I, thought maybe Jesus, like the real historical Jesus was a, a lunatic. And I didn't say it in a mean way. I didn't mean it that way. Like I, I just meant um, because I really believed that there was a historical Jesus and that he claimed to be the son of God or, or divine. And, um, mm. and, and I didn't believe in the resurrection anymore and it was Easter day. And so I, uh, and Anita started crying and um, and that, and that made me feel really bad that I made her cry, you know, <laughs> but, well, um, yeah. and so, and, and, and also just knowing, um, how many good Christian people there are, are out there. Um, it, it made me not want to feel hardened towards Christians, the way some of the authors of these books I was reading yeah. were, mm -hmm. I, and because all of these, most of these books that I have read they spend like the last third from half to a third of of the book in all, most of these books um 
like ranting on ranting on Christianity. I mean, it's not it's not their analysis portion. It's just their portion where they go all yeah. out. And I mean, you yeah. know, this Emmanuel for creating atheists. You know, he says early in the book that he would never say you know he would never try to tell another person what path to take. But then later in the book, he's saying all kinds of crazy stuff like that that people who believe in God should be they should be diagnosed, you know, with these mental disorders and be able, you know, and all this, all kinds of uh, crazy stuff. Yeah. But, um, Which and, is and another why... thing they, they talk about a lot that none of them can leave alone is abortion. Every book it's, they always have to bring up abortion and say stuff about abortion that I know isn't true. And, or that I know is just fallacious. And, yeah. um, so that was the other thing that kind of bothered me about these authors. So I'm like, okay, but just because they say some things that I, disagree with you know these other things they're saying are attractive to me and and they're saying things that i feel and they think the way i'm thinking right now so i kept on reading you know these books but i think that kind of softened me enough to be able to read other authors so then who (laughs) who introduced you to other authors then uh let me see well actually i some of them, some of the Christian apologist names I learned from the atheist books. So, um, and I can't remember. So if you've got people like Lee doing... Strobel, Case for Christ, yeah. you've got um, J. Um, J. Warner J. Wallace. Wallace. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I, I eventually, I started reading Christian Sean apologetics McDowell. books. And, um, and the first one I read was by J. Warner Wallace called Case Christianity. And Cold Case, yeah. I, and that was a really good book. And I was learning all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe I never knew any of this, any of this stuff before. Because, you know, just like most Christians probably, Latter-day Saints don't, they don't learn church history and they don't like they don't um, you know, they don't know this stuff. So right. I, I read that book and and just I so read, just so our audience knows, J. Warner Wallace is a cold case murder detective and so you've got uh you've got a former police detective applying forensic evidence to the case for christ and you as a lawyer you're used to listening and evaluating evidence that's being presented yep and he was using techniques that i had used so oh, um, fascinating. That, was, that was really really fascinating the, the forensic statement analysis i'm like yeah i know what this is i, I didn't know there was a name for it you know but i'd I had used it before. I'd learned about it in trainings on you know how to depose witnesses and fabric fabricating Jesus. Yeah, I think that's is that what it's called. Anyway, uh, I read that book and that addressed a lot of the concerns that I'd gotten from Bart Ehrman. So it it it, oh. it laid out because when in this Bart Ehrman book, he he talks about the he talks a lot about the Gnostic Gospels. And he, yes. he presents that he presents that narrative that what we have today is the Bible is just, you know, people picked and choose, you know, that that, that the Christianity was built over over several centuries, uh, a certain narrative of a certain type of Jesus, and that they took those Gospels and created the Bible that way. And that's a completely mm-hmm. ahistorical narrative. Yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> that just doesn't measure up. We just yeah. addressed that in an episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he and he it's interesting because he calls he refers all throughout the book to Christians who were not, they were not Christians. You know, there are people who don't, didn't believe that Jesus was resurrected. So how can you be a Christian if you don't believe Jesus was resurrected, mm-hmm. you know, or didn't believe in the divinity 
of Jesus or didn't believe that Jesus, the humanity of Jesus. So like all these these very fundamental or, or that believe that the Old Testament God and the New Testament God were completely different gods, um, that the old, you know, and all, all these uh, um, all these beliefs that are not Christian beliefs and um, and and when you call those people Christian, and it's the same thing in these other in these atheist books, uh, like uh, um, you know that call that say that Adolf Hitler was a Christian. You know, he just didn't believe Jesus was a Jew. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's if you know your Bible. That's you not can- a Christian. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. That's yeah. like Adolf Hitler was so far from being. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'll, when when you call the um, Gnostic Gospels, when you treat those as a, as the equivalent. Or, or these people who are not Christians as Christians, then yeah, it does it does muddy it up. And and, it, and and as I read further, I started to I was able to separate between and, and see well, the re- reason why the New Testament text was so reliable. But here's um, what I find yeah. interesting: you're still investigating Jesus, right? You can't let the Jesus idea go. You need to know who this man is and if he was real and if he is who he said he was. I'm fascinated by his by his journey because you have done more and broader research. Yeah. In such a short amount of time. Yeah. And I just think our audience could really benefit from what you've invested your time and then where where looking where at is all it the taking evidence. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Daniel cannot let Jesus go. He continues to try to figure out who this man is. Did he really rise from the dead? And what does that mean for his life? Wow, Joel, here we go. (laughs) Stay tuned for the next episode. We need to hear the end of this one. Grace and peace. Until next time, Daniel and Edith. So long, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.